on Big V Racing. Green light on with Dan Maliki. Yes, time for green light on on this Thursday afternoon as we preview trots action this weekend. Matt Nevitt, Matt Stewart and Dan Malecki are with you. Hello, Dan. Good afternoon to you. Hello, Matt, and hello, Matt. Sounds like an echo. Hello, hello, Daniel. Hey, just before we continue on, the um, the organisation that Terry Henderson and I were referring to about the uh, the, the social media uh, uh, handle that has uh, emerged to deal with the misconceptions about uh, horse racing is called Kick Up, and it's at Kick Up for Racing. We just the name slipped our mind, but that's the one that's uh, doing some really great work to. Uh, uh, to demystify the misconceptions yep. about racing. Jump so. on social and, and have a look. Yep. Uh, Danny, uh, before we talk about all of the big things mm-hmm. in harness racing this weekend, and there's so much to talk about, uh, you are brought to us by a wonderful sponsor once again. Lower Long Farms. And on behalf of Lauriston Bloodstock, Lower Long, Lower Long Farms are proud to present three yearlings from their most prized family at the Melbourne Nutrient Sale from April 1 to April 3. Famed matriarch and former Australian broodmare of the year, Aston Villa, is the dam of lot 521. This sharp colt by American Ideal is a half-brother to six winners, including resident sires, poster boy and Yankee rock star, juvenile star born to rock and roll, and group one-placed Yankee showgirl. Herself the dam of lot 488 at the Melbourne sale, a stylish filly by Always Be Mickey. Vegas Diamond, a daughter of Yankee Showgirl and half-sister to two-year-old Breeders' Crown champion school captain, is the dam of lot 475. This flawless American ideal filly offers another rare opportunity to access this highly esteemed family. Detailed information on each lot, including pedigrees, photos and videos, will be available at nutrientequine.com.au and on-farm inspections are welcomed by appointment. Lower Long Farms, where quality is our priority. Well, they're getting banged for their buck. Low they along. are, uh, yeah. absolutely. So, hey, Daniel, a uh, couple of things I want to just bring up with you uh, at the top. Um, there's, there was a lot of talk about uh, Captain Ravishing being sold on public auction for $4.5 million. Uh, turns out it's a furphy, although Adam Hamilton has tweeted that uh, Has Tabor, the owner, is very annoyed about it and he's trying to get to the bottom of it, but he wouldn't rule out a sale if Captain Ravishing won the Chariots or the Miracle Mile, and whether or not the 4.5 million that was touted on the auction side is is ballpark for what he might be worth now or if he wins those races. But So it was a furphy, but they haven't totally ruled out selling Captain Ravishing if he can knock off the two big races coming up, including the Chariots this Saturday night. It looked a, it looked a furphy because it listed him as a five-year-old stallion. He only just turned four, so the alarm bells <laughs> in my head were ringing. So um, I thought it was a bit odd. But look, value-wise, uh, you got to win Group Ones. Uh, you, if you're an impressive-looking stallion, not dissimilar to the Gallops, uh, and if he can win a Chariots of Fire, that'll help and a Miracle Mile. And I'd say that value of uh, that four and a half with potentials uh, stud duties. Uh, would would make sense. So uh, I'm sure right now, if you owned him, Matt, and you owned him, Matt, and you had an opportunity uh, to put him on the market, I'm sure that wouldn't be too far from where it might be. It might be over the mark right now because you'd have to take the gamble that he's going to win a couple of Group 1s. It looks like it might happen. He's $1.25 to win his second Group 1 on uh, on Saturday night. But um, I remember the late uh, and great Vin Knight uh, giving me some advice once when he talked about selling horses. He said, $100 notes never go lame. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point, Dan. Although, 
horses like Captain Ravishing don't come along every day. He's got everyone talking inside harness racing, outside of harness racing. I, I can't believe the hype around this horse. And he is a dollar twenty-five on Saturday night at Menangle in the Chariots of Fire, and he's drawn the pegs. It's an, a very interesting draw. Look, to be truthful, when I, I might have been chatting with you guys, but I sort of suggested the one barrier draw that could make it interesting would be barrier number one because we've never really seen him pushed from the gate or, or the times that he's left the gate. He's got enough gate speed to get him out of trouble and then he sustains it and then no one else can keep up. But from the initial beginning of that race, they're at a high speed because it's at a mile, but a horse like Catcher Wave does fly the gate. I'd say Catcher Wave is a fast, brilliant beginner. I'd say Captain Ravishing is a good beginner that we maybe we haven't seen him uh, driven that way. But if he gets a fly and he doesn't get crossed early, he's not going to slow down. And that might actually help him run some supersonic time here. Uh, Catcher Wave's a chance of crossing him early. Um, and he's going to have to go for it, I think. He's a son of a gun, tried to cross Captain Ravishing about 12 months ago. So that was when Armour Tabor was training him and Captain Ravishing kept him out at that point. So he's definitely got the gate speed, but I wouldn't call him a, a brilliantly fast beginner. Uh, and that might make it interesting. If he got crossed early, he's going to hook out or try to hook out and, and then put the pressure on. So it's interesting because barrier one often is the gate that becomes a lay down Mazaire, but I, I'm not sure that's the case. If he was drawn barrier three, for example, or four, I, I'd say he was a dollar fifteen shot. Uh, so at the moment, barrier one, you're getting a dollar twenty five. It could be overs. That's what I was just thinking. Like a dollar twenty five is sort of in harness terms with a champion. It's sort of backable, mm. but but as you say, with those little vulnerabilities that could potentially play out with catch a wave and then having to take a sit and get around him and all that. Uh, Barrier three, he does go into that unbeatable price. Hey, Dan, just before we move on to whatever else we're going to talk about, I've just been following a, a social media exchange involving Chris Alford. And this is, I know this is a, a pet hate of yours. And Chris Alford's um, board in with yesterday was a 20-hour day from start to finish with 650 kilometres driving the car and float included exclamation mark. And he was referring to... Mildura, and there's a long Twitter exchange between a lot of participants in harness racing about um, the hours they have to work and the and the late finishes to far flung meetings like Mildura. I think the the last race was at 11 p.m. Uh, it's not very participant friendly, is it? No, no, and and it hasn't been for quite some time, guys. Um, growing up, you know, a day meeting there'd never be more than eight races. And, of course, there'd only be a, a, not even a handful of meetings Australia-wide in that one day, at least what the TAB was betting on. Now we're getting up to 12 races and more than 40-minute gaps. So if you broke it down, uh, your worth, uh, what you're earning uh, per hour, has, uh, has dropped because there's more hours to be working in that day. So... Um, and, and you're stuck. These are people, a lot of them, a lot of them have got other jobs. Now, they've got a family for a start. They've got to work their team of horses, go to the races, got to be there a certain time prior. If you take two or three horses, you could be up the track for six hours. There are race meetings that run for more than six hours now. I mean, Melbourne Cup Day is only about that, and it's the biggest thoroughbred race day that there is. So... Um, and then they travel to get there, sometimes late at night. Now, I know it's easy to say, you don't have to go there, but you sort of do. Um, and again, I've been, and we, you've supported me all the way here, uh, Matthew Stewart. Um, a lot's been made of horse welfare, and so it should. 
but equally as much should be done about human welfare, participant welfare, mm. in, in all of the codes for that matter. And at times, at times, a lot of the times, I don't think the human welfare aspect is thought about enough by the governing body and the big fish, as in the, the TAB. Well, um, this issue came to a head in thoroughbred circles a few years ago when a print there was concerned about a basically apprentices and other jockeys wrapping their cars around trees mm. at, you know at certain times you remember the ben yole situation in tassie at two o'clock in the morning with the crash uh, uh then they introduced a rule where um they participants couldn't work late and start early the next day so they had to structure their working days but that's in an ideal world dan when you've got enough staff to compensate for and allow for that sort of system to, to yeah. be enacted so yeah no I, I agree i think there's a lot of focus on horse welfare but um yeah i, I don't know if it's negligent with human welfare but it certainly is must be a high priority yeah, it, it, well, it should be, and I think it is negligent because, uh, you know, in a lot of cases where I've worked, some of the organisations think that places like Hamilton, Shepparton, Warrigal are suburbs of Melbourne. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm serious when I say that. Uh, I don't think they understand the, the gaps and times. They're, they're looking at the races that are, that are on the Green Channel or off on the Blue Channel or wherever it might be, if indeed it is you know, a Sky Channel. But they need to get together. If we could run race meetings, have 12 races, 25-minute gaps in total, it would be far more helpful because you add up the 15 minutes on some occasions, especially during the day, times that by 10, 10 times 15 minutes, it adds up, doesn't it? And that's dead time dead time you can't do anything so i think it makes it very difficult and puts a heck of a lot of pressure on family life private life uh, and even just to do the right things with uh, with your horses and, and particularly the part-timers who have got to work they've got to look at getting a replacement take half a day off take the day off so they can take their one horse or two horses to the races uh, because they're passionate about what they do um, as we all know in all the, all the codes uh, everybody that's got horses would far prefer to th their horses to eat well and them eat baked beans on toast. So, you know, the, the participants put their animals first, but I'm not sure some of the, the governing bodies put the participants first. Yeah, and yesterday Dan Stackhouse raised a similar sort of thing along those lines. Maddie, and I know you had a chat to Daniel Moore last week who um, echoed a similar sort of conversation. Hey, Dan, we've got to go to Shepparton in a moment, but there's other good racing on this weekend. We get a, a really good race for the mares. Tay Tay and Tough Tilly go at it once again uh, in Sydney at Menangle, and then we've got heats for the New South Wales Oaks as well. It's a, it's a top program, good carnival there. And also Friday night, the Newcastle Mile is on, so an opportunity for, uh, for something else to get into the Miracle Mile. Mac Dan's up there. He won it, I think it was last year. He's a brilliant beginner, and the form that he's in, he'll be very hard to beat. So uh, it is a top night uh, on Saturday night in particular. And also a good program at Melton with a couple of horses there, depending on how they perform, might be going up north for the Miracle Mile uh, qualifier heats the week after. Hey, uh, Dan, before we let you go, uh, what's the highlight on the card at Melton this Saturday night? Well, there's a couple of free-for-allers by name. They mightn't jump uh, out at you, but there's a, a fast-class race, uh, which is race number six on the program. Um, it's the 500,000 reasons to join the Victoria Harness Racing Club by 28th to February pace. Do you want me to read that out in the last 50 metres as three <laughs> horses are fighting out the finish? Um, good but luck. This is a good, 
good free for all. There's four last start winners in the race. Horses like Jillaby Dynamite, Let's Rock and Roll, who are on the up, and horses like Cranburn and Bulletproof Boy, who's been an amazing horse for his connections. He won last week, but Cranburn would be one of the horses in this that I, I reckon if he ran well, he could still go up north. Uh, Supreme Dominator is a pretty good horse. He was first up second last week. He can maybe improve. I reckon he'll be the one to beat. And he could also be another horse that, uh, depending on that performance, might go to Sydney next week and have a have a crack at uh, one of the Miracle Mile heats. And there's a stand start for the Trotters, a race four with a Kiwi Majestic Man shares the 30-metre mark with uh, Kiang Lavana. I actually think Kiang Lavana's a bit hard done by uh, off the 30 when a horse with a profile of Majestic Man's off the same mark. So that'll be a good race, made um, uh, more fascinating because it is a stand, but I think Majestic Man will be very hard to beat there, and that's the open class for the Trotters on Saturday night. So it's a really good program there, and uh, I don't think there'll be in any industry uh, participant disappointed to see an eight-race program. Maybe we should uh, get together and um, see if we can push that across the board. Eight race programs every day uh, and uh, a limit on a maximum of uh, hours for a race meeting to cover, just like they do with the dogs. I think it's about three and a half max, isn't it? And that's got to do a lot with uh, welfare of the animals being cooped up in... uh, uh, in, in cages or, or, or in their kennels for that period of time. So I'd like to see the same happen because it can't be good for a horse to be standing in the one spot for six hours. Uh, I like the idea, Dan. Maybe you should have been a keynote speaker here at the uh, Asian Racing Conference. Hey, uh, good luck over the weekend. I look forward to catching up with you on Monday for Gate Speed. I've got no doubt we'll be talking about Captain Ravishing, good, bad or indifferent. And Maddie Stewart will be yelling out, go, Ravo, go, with a <laughs> bottle of red wine. And <laughs> Good on you guys. Yes, Have a great weekend. The bloke who That's bought it. the slot called him Captain yesterday. I said, mate, we've got an issue here. We've got two different nicknames for this horse. Uh, good on you, Dan. Thanks, fellas.